Welcome to the 1000 Hours Outside podcast. My name is Ginny Urich. I'm the founder of 1000 Hours Outside, and I am so excited to have Brianna Collins with us here today. Welcome. Hi, Ginny. Thanks for having me. I am really, really honored to be here with you. I'm so excited. So within the span of 12 hours, Ryan came on the podcast and talked about his book called The God of Tech. And that book is full of technical and history with your story woven in. So really neat how all that came together. And then here we are, me and you sitting here today. (laughs) And you also came out with a book this year. So both of you published a book in the same year, which is so cool. Your book is called Mirror Image, a book about identity, freedom, and Jesus. So huge congrats. Oh, thanks, Jenny. I'm really happy to be at this point. I started it actually about seven years ago, and I had gotten through like probably half of the book. And then we found out, surprise, we were pregnant with our third. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And for me, that meant I had to put everything down because I was in bed for like three months with horrible morning sickness. And so I put it down. I just focused on having the baby and, you know, becoming a family with three kiddos instead. And so I put it down for a few years and just recently in the last two years, picked it back up and finally brought it to this point. And so it is huge to see it after all that time to be here we are. It is. Like yeah. it's actually like it's here. It is really something to have your book in print. Yes. You know, to have the weight of it and to be able to hold it, take pictures of it. And yes. I mean, it, it is such an accomplishment. And that's a really cool message too, Brianna. Like, I feel the same as you. We've had times in our life where, oh, this wasn't even really ever a, a business until recently, but it was something that I had going on the side, right? Like you have a writing project on the side and you have kids or you have a big life change and Sometimes as the mom, you have to hold that. And so your stuff wanes for a little bit. Yeah. But then I think it comes back at the right time. And here it is. I mean, could you ever have imagined that you guys launched a book? No, it's the crazy. Same year. Yeah, exactly. Because my starting point was like seven years ago. And his starting point was probably closer to like three. And so the fact that they actually ended up done at the same time. Yeah, that's pretty crazy. So yeah, it was good. I think it was a good maturing process of even the topics that I was writing about, I feel like for me, mm-hmm. that time actually ended up being a huge asset for it taking longer. So it's good. Yeah, I love that. I love it. And then the two of you, you and uh, Ryan just started a podcast. Is it last year? Yes. Yeah, we started a podcast actually it was a couple years ago. Okay. Um, but then we kind of took a couple years off between one <laughs> season to the next. Yeah. <laughs> As <Yeah>. it goes. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so, yeah, so we're in season two of the What Is podcast. And so this season is all about Ryan's book, The God of Tech. And so we kind of did an interview style. So I just went through and, and interviewed him on all throughout the book. Aww. And so it has a lot of things that we do that he does have in the book, but it has a lot of bonus content as well, because we were able to really dive deep into some things. And then because tech is such a fascinating and ever-evolving industry, mm-hmm. um, there were a lot of things that even though he had just finished the book a few months before that had changed, you know, and new things that had come up. And so we were able to bring those into the conversation as well. So. Yeah, it's been a great season. We have just a couple episodes left for season two, and then season three will be out um, later next year. Yeah, it's so fun. It's so fun. I think husband-wife duo podcasts are super fun. Oh, it's just inner workings of relationship. It's just encouraging, right? It's like, you know, it's hard. Marriage is hard, but also really exciting. And there's a lot that you can do when you come together and join forces and do cool things like publish books and (laughs) put out podcast episodes. So this book is, is really a relief to read as a mom mm-hmm. because you're so honest about the things that you've struggled with. And also it's hopeful because mm-hmm. you talk about coming out of some really dark places and places where you're really 
struggling in a debilitating way. Yeah. And I think that happens, you know, for moms, it's like you have babies, things happen. And, you know, we had a, tra- I mean, when I say traumatic, it's probably, that's too big of a word, but we had our um, first, we had a home birth, which, okay. which is one of those things. Like, you're like, okay, all right. Well, you I love that. it. Honestly, if, I if I were having a baby now, I probably would do a home birth. Um, I think they're beautiful. Yeah, they're beautiful, but it was like, it was our only option. It's a long story, but okay. then um, we had a home birth and then, you know, I called the pediatrician after we had the baby's healthy, the midwife comes, it's like another one comes, they all check, you know, mm-hmm. this is what they do. They've been doing it for 40 years. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, I called the pediatrician to get the first doctor's appointment. It's like at two months. And they freaked out on me that he hadn't seen a doctor and like negligence and all of this. Oh. And I was, I was really freaked out, you know, oh, and then my midwife was like, you got to take him in right now. They might call child protective services. And it was just, you know, stuff happens Wow. that oh. you don't know of and you're not expecting and it's really tricky. So you talk about in your parenting and your mothering that you had a really tough time after Olivia was born. I did, yeah. Can you talk about that? Yeah, Olivia is our second. Um, we have three girls, Ava, Olivia, and Ever. And so after Olivia was born, um, our, our first baby, Ava, when she was born, nothing really changed for me, I think, emotionally or my state of mind. I think I just jumped right into motherhood and it was great. And that first experience um, really kind of set the tone for what I thought the second one would be as well. Mm-hmm. But when Olivia was born, it was a very difficult delivery with her and we had to do it under some emergency situations. And so when we um, had her and brought her back to the house, it was just something about a week after bringing her back just kind of clicked for me in in, in the wrong way. And um, all of a sudden I was just overcome with fear. I dealt with the fear of basically germs for my kiddos for a straight year, I would say it was really, in, it, was, it was pretty bad, but really it was just the first four or five months after Livia was born where I just, every single thing. And I know, you know, I talk about this in the book, like I was literally concerned that if something like from the outside world, like from the store touched my sleeve and then my baby touched my sleeve, what if some kind of bacteria or you know, virus transferred from mm-hmm. the bag to my sleeve to the baby, you know? And so I literally spent that much time, like there was nothing that I could do that wasn't, in my opinion, something that could potentially harm my kids. Mm. It got to the point where I just, I really could not function outside of feeding my children <laughs> and caring for them. And that was about it. I couldn't really think of anything else. And so, you know, Ryan, my husband, he stepped in and was able to thankfully pick up all the slack that had been created because I just was overcome with it. And he, and he gave me the space, you know, to have, to have that, which was huge. But for me, I kind of had to do some digging and just ask God, like, where is this coming from? Why am I so afraid of this? And I think a lot Mm -hmm. of times we deal with things that we think, oh, I'm afraid of, let's let's say this, like, you know, germs or my kids getting sick. And for me, I realized, like, I think we have some things that kind of on the outside look like that's what we're afraid of, but there are much deeper things going on. And after really taking some time to step aside and and to stop being overwhelmed or even romanticized by the fear that I had to step outside of it and say, where is this actually coming from? And for me, it really looked like I was afraid of hurting my children. I was afraid of not being a good mom. And it just took that route to kind of um, express what those feelings were. When I realized that I had kind of been fighting the wrong battle, like I thought I'd feel better if I was going to like, if I could clean every surface and if they, you know, never touched mm. anything. And if I knew all of the kids they were going to see, like, when was the last time you were sick? You know, like, let's see their temperature. 
But I realized <laughs> if I stopped, <laughs> if I stopped warring against germs, because the germs, mm-hmm. all those things, that was really never the issue. I was concerned about how I was going to be as a mom. And so for me, I had to stop fighting the wrong battle. And something that, you know, that God walked me through, because how I really got out was it was through Jesus. <laughs> there was no other way out for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he showed me that I was fighting the wrong battle. The battle was really for my belief. What was I going to believe? Because it was really those inner beliefs that I had. That was the lens that I looked at, looked at everything through. And so when I was able to work on that and change out my lens and recognize what I was really dealing with, that's when I was able to put aside this never ending battle of the imaginary, or I would say the invisible enemy, because isn't that, I mean, germs are like a perfect example of an invisible enemy, right? Like they're right. anywhere, everywhere. You just don't know, you can't control it. And that's how I felt out of control. Um, which I think is um, how a lot of moms can feel out of control at times. And I was grasping for that control, but I really needed to let go when I thought I needed to hold on so tight and let myself be worked on it instead of trying to work on the, the outer external things. Mm-hmm. It's a pretty powerful story that you were able to come out of it. Because when you talk about it, you say, um, I was in a tailspin of fear. I fell apart. Brian would have to do everything for me. I would wake up every day with a sense of dread. Fear had taken over my life. I didn't even have enough reasoning to allow myself to see that I'd fallen into a deep depression. Mm -hmm. I was afraid I wasn't doing enough. This is a lot. Mm -hmm. Like you wanted to be set free from it. But I I know that sometimes when we're so overwhelmed, it's hard to even figure out how to get out of it or how to even take some steps. And now here you are several years later, this happened before COVID. Oh, yeah. Oh, yes, this is before everybody yeah, had masks and gloves and everything. Yes. Yeah. And here you are. You wrote a book and we're having a conversation on Zoom. So it's very powerful. And I think that for those who are struggling, I think they'll find a lot of hope here. I just, I talked recently to an, another mom who really fell apart during COVID. Mm. Her name's Courtney Devich. And she was writing about it in this book where she said, I mean, she didn't leave the house for a full year. Mm. So she was home with her kids for a full year. And I do think that they went to the drive-thru at Starbucks or something, or she did during that year, like got out of the house, went through the drive-thru, and then she like fell apart in the drive-thru, she's crying. And um, and so I would imagine that having that experience and then walking into COVID and moms are having babies during COVID, their first, I mean, I, I really, yeah. truly, my heart goes out. Yeah. I can't imagine. Yeah. Do you have people that have latched onto your story that since because of COVID, have felt similarly? You know, I, I mean, it definitely, like you said, I've had, I've had similar stories from people who, yeah, they kind of sheltered in place for, for a very, very long time. Um, And they started to look at things completely differently. And so I think that's one of the things that people have latched onto is that something that I had never thought of before, all of a sudden I was terrified of. And I think um, what I've seen the kind of the, the common thread there is it was just the thing that allowed them to express what was already going on on the inside. Mm-hmm. And so whatever, you know, that root fear actually was for them, um, it was able to kind of take a form. And so they're able to actually label it. And so I think, you know, labels are a big deal, whether it's your identity or whether it's what you're going to label as your struggles, um, the things that you have to overcome. I think a lot of times, just like a, a, a stray dog, if you name it, you're going to start an attachment to it, right? 
Mm-hmm. And so I think for a lot of people, COVID. <laughs> if you like that, dogs, right? <laughs> <laughs> you're I not going to take it to the shelter. You're going to keep yeah. it. Um, but I think like naming those things, it kind of gives it, it gives it a place in, in our lives. And so I think COVID was like that label for people that was like, okay, like these are, this is mm. going to kind of cause a lot of things to kind of conjure up what was already kind of brewing. And so I think there was just, a, it was, COVID was a very common tipping point for people. Um, and mm-hmm. so I think, you know, anytime there's something like that, we have the opportunity to let society fall apart or we have the opportunity to say, oh, OK, let's let's come together on this and let's say, hey, since we're all or many of us are dealing with a lot of things because of this particular name, this label, um, this particular mm-hmm. event, I think it actually provides a great opportunity to start saying, well, since this is such a common theme now, let's let's find a solution for it. Mm-hmm. So I think in a lot of ways it's helped people to um to actually Ooh. go after the things that needed to be taken care of in the first place. It just kind of happened all at the same time because we all experienced <laughs> the same pandemic. Yeah, that's so interesting. And in a lot of ways, I mean, it's still, it has changed culture. I mean, I still yeah. am out and people have their masks on and yeah. they're talking about if you're sick, is it COVID? And did you get tested? Yeah. And it's still, it's still there. And so I would imagine yeah. that there are some people who maybe haven't gotten to the point where they've been able to deal with it. Yeah. Yet. So this book will help them to walk through that. It's really interesting that you said it was something you never thought of before. Mm-hmm. This wasn't like a, a childhood thing. Like I'm kind of, you know, cause some kids are like, nah, I got stuff on my hands. I don't really like germs. Yeah. <laughs> it kind of just, it came up. Yeah. And then now is it a thought at all? Does it ever creep back in or are you in a completely different place? You know, it's, it's really not, I am in a different place. Um, I feel like, you know, for probably a couple of years after, if there was there was always that opportunity to be like, am I going to let myself go back to that hmm. downward spiral of thinking of all the different scenarios that could come out of whatever. But for me, I think actually, it's funny, I would say, again, because of COVID, so many people started rushing to like the forefront to say, hey, let me actually explain how germs work or how bacteria works. And so now, hmm. even though that was something that I struggled with, um, kind of learning just kind of even more of our microbiomes and how our bodies function with the good bacteria and how our bodies can actually become stronger from, you know, certain things. Um, I think it just, it, it's given me a, a totally different perspective on that particular subject. Although I wouldn't say I needed a different perspective on that subject in order to, to find freedom and to come out of the depression, because again, it wasn't really about that. Um, yeah. But in that particular topic now, because everybody talks about <laughs> that topic now, yeah, it's, I've been able to see kind of the other side of that and actually look at it for just, you know, for what it is and be able to process and deal with it as opposed to before where the fear was just so high that I couldn't be rational about it, mm-hmm. that I wasn't able to look at the situation and, and just logically deduce, you know, because it was something right. that was going on that was a lot deeper. Right. It's really important because like you said, if the education, and I think I like it because Ryan's book is about education, that education can really do a lot to change your life and in a lot of different ways. Mm-hmm. And education can help you understand things like that. Or, yeah. you know, for us, it's like, you know, the sun kills germs. So yes. that's actually a great place to be. It's to be outdoors that's and the so playgrounds true. and things like that. You know, all of those got blocked off during COVID, but actually yes. those are probably a really safe place to be. Yeah. But if it's more than education, if it's more than just a head knowledge, mm-hmm. then getting to the root is really going to help you and it's going to help your kids. Oh, definitely. Because yeah. it's good for them to be out and about and in society. And I think that was a, mm-hmm. a really hard part about life being shut down. Really a hard part for everyone. Yeah. I always say everyone should be around kids, right? Yes. Yes. They bring a lot yes. of exuberance to life. It's and so you know, they, they help us to become more patient. And I think 
it was a lot of things about it that were hard. Yeah, so true. I love it. A lot of the things that people started doing in order to protect themselves from COVID were the things that I was doing when I was going through that depression. You know, she's now she's 13. So it's 13 years ago um, where I was. I'm wiping Why down all the groceries. Come back, you know, yeah. Wow. <laughs> okay. And that's what I mean. That's what we were doing when, you know, during COVID. It's like, is there something exactly. on the bag? Is there something yes. on the back? Actually, our kids say we didn't do it for very long, but. You know, our kids help unload groceries. That's like one of the things because yeah. we've got a lot of groceries. We got five kids. Yeah. There's a lot to eat. You know, you got three kids, yes. you know, they eat a lot. Yeah. So I'm like, I'm not unloading these groceries by myself. Yeah. But for a small period of time, we unloaded all the groceries because that's kind of what people were doing. They were like leaving them in their car for yeah. 48 hours. I mean, it's a whole thing, right? And so our kids, that's one of the things that they say, they look back and they say, well, we kind of liked it because <laughs> we didn't have to unload the time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That was one of the things that they look back on fondly. But um, yeah, what a message of hope, Rihanna, that, Thank you. you know, here you are 13 years later that you've come out of it. And so yeah. people are struggling with debilitating fears that are taking over their life. There's so much to find in your book called Mirror Image. This episode is brought to you by BetterHelp. Question, what's the first thing you do if you had an extra hour in your day? Read a few chapters of that book, start painting that guest bedroom, tackle that pile of laundry, play a card game with your kids. A lot of us spending our lives wishing we had more time. The question is, time for what? If time was unlimited, how would you use it? The best way to squeeze that special thing into your schedule is to know what's important to you and make it a priority. If you're feeling stuck, therapy is something that can help you find what matters to you so you can do more of it. Therapy is a wonderful thing. It can help you learn positive coping skills or show you how to navigate properly setting boundaries. With BetterHelp, it's easy to get started. You just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist. It's entirely online and designed to be convenient. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try and visit BetterHelp.com 1000 hours to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash 1000 hours. When the skies open up, while others seek shelter, I embrace the rain. Heading to my favorite hike, the raindrops are like a soothing melody, and my vessies ensure each step is dry and comfortable, turning a simple outing into a rather delightful experience. Whenever my kids and I are stepping into a great outdoors adventure, I love wearing Vessi's stormburst boots to capture the beauty of springtime landscapes. Their robust style is perfect for our nature excursions, adding a little dash of elegance to our outdoor explorations. This spring, transform how you view wet weather with Vessi. Their Dymatex technology makes their shoes not just waterproof, but a stylish barrier against rain and puddles. Whether it's a sudden downpour or a planned seaside walk, Vessi shoes ensure your feet stay dry and comfortable. Embrace the essence of spring with Vessi. From chic city walks to adventurous treks, find the perfect pair for your lifestyle at Vessi.com slash outside and enjoy an automatic 15% off your first order upon checkout. That's V-E-S-S-I dot com slash outside for 15% off your first order. To get hope from your message and from your ideas there, you also talk about your marriage, which I think, I mean, we've been married a similar amount of time as you and it's been hard. I mean, I would say, <laughs> no, I look at some people's yeah. and it looks like it's not quite so hard. <laughs> so I don't know. I mean, I, I don't know if they're just like, right. If they're not being totally honest or I, I, right. I do think that maybe some personalities mesh better or mm -hmm. who knows, maybe they haven't had 
major things happen. Like you guys have had some major things and you've moved and you have this, Mm -hmm. you know, you have the baby and you're struggling. And so there's a lot. Can you talk us through, you say our marriage, even though good by many standards, I mean, this really affects your life. And it, you know, it can affect your family dynamics. You say it was good by many standards, was far from great. And you kind of talk through emotional things that maybe wouldn't be super obvious that you're dealing with. And you have, it's a kind of a similar story, right? Like you have to dig deeper to figure it out. So can you talk about how you've gotten to the point that you're at today in your marriage? Well, you know, similarly to the way that I had to realize that dealing with the external uh, when I was going through depression and what I thought I was afraid of um, didn't really work until I actually started working on myself. It was the same for our marriage. Um, I think for a lot of probably the first, I don't know, eight years or so of our marriage, my goal was fix him. (laughs) You know, if I can just fix him. need a ton of fixing, you know, um, but I just kept thinking like, okay, these things that I'm seeing, because, you know, I wasn't looking at myself, you know, uh, these things I'm seeing, I can, I can just, we can work, we, I can get him to come around to my side on these things. And so I think for me, um, and that's really calling myself out on this. Um, I had always thought like, we're either going to work on our marriage or I'm going to work on him. Um, and so really, and for him, I think he, I think he kind of had the mindset of like, we're just going to figure out how we can um, work on these things together and which it sounds good, but at least for us, we couldn't work on anything together until we both went off and worked on ourselves. Hmm. Um, And so I think there was this, there's this, there's always been this string of friendship for me and for Ryan together. We, we've been best friends since the beginning, since we were dating. And so even in our toughest times, we always remained best friends and we were able to have fun together. And that is oftentimes a very overlooked part of marriage is mm. having fun together. We look to our girls night out or we look to, you know, having the guys over for, you know, a game or whatever. And we're like, well, that's where I have my time or where I have fun. And there's nothing you know wrong with those things. But I think that when we group our fun with other people and not with our spouse, it can get us mm. into a lot of trouble. And I think that that having that common thread of friendship is actually what got us through a lot of it. And so for me, I had to start looking at, obviously there are deeper things going on with whatever he's got, but also with me. And so it felt like when we actually decided, what if we just stopped trying to work on the other person? And we just looked at ourselves and said, you know, am I looking at you the wrong way? Like, am I assuming something that's not there? And so for both of us, I feel like things really started to shift when we both decided Let's just work on ourselves, regardless of whether or not the other person ever overcomes mm. the things that you know we've struggled with. That's irrelevant to the fact that I have a responsibility to bring my best self to this. And so I think mm-hmm. when it was actually when we both did that, that was when we saw something change. And you know, we've both had to go through a lot of inner healing. And that's obviously that's that's a journey that really never ends. You can always kind of you know uh, continue in that, but you have obviously want to work and continue the progress that you've made. So yeah, I think us being able to always keep the friendship and mm-hmm. keeping that as one of our main things. And then also, instead of trying to work on the other person or even before working on the marriage, obviously you have to work on the marriage, but before working on the marriage, we worked on our own things um, mm-hmm. and just kind of, we took off the responsibility that we shouldn't have been carrying in the first place. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so when we did that. We were able to come together and we were able to actually then work on a lot of things in the marriage that, you know, we could have been doing better. 
And I know yeah. I, this is kind of a, I'm Sicilian, I'm female, <laughs> I'm a firstborn. So, you know, for me, I'm like, I'm right. And I'm going to need for you to acknowledge <laughs> that I'm right <laughs> you know, in a lot yeah. of things. Um, and so laying that down also really, mm. uh, really helped. And so, yeah, it's been great. And I think too, just evolving as a couple, as we've evolved as parents. And I think mm-hmm. being parents together has caused us to be a, a much better husband wife duo because everything wow. we do in, yeah, everything we do in our family, it's comes from a holistic place. Um, and so like with our family, with our girls, and this is for Ryan and for me as well, we don't really have a lot of rules, but we have a lot of priorities. And so in our house, mm-hmm. it's priorities over rules. And so if we can set out the priorities of connection, if we set out the priorities of having of responsibility and, and um, set out the priority of loving others before ourselves, then all those rules, we don't have to set up all those rules because as long as they agree with our priorities, then they have the freedom to live within those boundaries of those priorities. And so I think Ryan and I being able to communicate that and harness that and say, this is how we want to raise our family. It's caused a very holistic, healthy approach in our marriage as well. And so it's really kind of made a very cohesive ecosystem for us. And so, um, yeah, it's, it's good to be on this side <laughs> of, of the crazy times in marriage. Not that we don't have little things here or there, of course, who doesn't, but, mm-hmm. um, it's better when you kind of can have that, you know, y- you have that foundation that we started, mm-hmm. which was a very holistic, I'll work on me, you work on you, but we're best friends regardless. And just maintaining that connection, which is really the heart behind priorities over rules is just maintaining connection, you know, always mm-hmm. asking why, that's a big thing in our house. Our kids are always allowed to question us, which is weird because growing up, you know, having our parents as, you know, the baby boomers, like you don't question your parents, you know, and their way was always the right way, whether it made sense or not. And so I think again, like digging past, you know, getting deeper into all the whys, um, the roots of these things, it's like giving someone a fishing pole instead of a fish. And so being able to, to ask why and understand why you can put that into whatever situation or circumstance that you're in. And so, um, yeah, it's been really helpful for our our whole family. I love that. I love the thought that having kids can bring you together because I think there is a societal thought that having kids just adds so much extra stress and it Mm -hmm. has its potential to really pull you apart. But if you look at it in that way, like in the way of how are we going to do this? You know, what's going to be our plan? Then that structuring part, that weaving of it together the crafting of a family life, right? That's actually pretty fun. Yeah. And it gives you a lot to come together over and a lot to talk about and a lot to discuss and a lot to dig into. So, I mean, I love that. That's really beautiful. I have been looking for simple ways to form healthy habits and get the nutrients my body needs when my immune system feels unsupported. And that's why I decided to give AG1 a try. Not only does AG1 deliver my daily dose of vitamins, minerals, pre and probiotics and more, but it's a powerful, healthy habit that's also powerfully simple. It's just one scoop mixed in water once a day, every day. And it makes me feel nourished and ready to face the day. As a parent, longevity is on my mind more than ever before. I want to make sure I'm taking really good care of myself so I can continue to show up for the moments that matter with my kids. Every day, AG1 helps me build long-term health with daily nutrients that support brain, gut, and immune health. All it takes is one scoop a day, and I'm setting myself up for the long run. AG1 is a supplement I trust to provide the support my body needs daily, and that's why I'm excited to welcome them as a new partner. 
If you want to take ownership of your health, it starts with AG1. Try AG1 and get a free one-year supply of vitamin D3K2 and five free AG1 travel packs with your first purchase exclusively at drinkag1.com slash 1000. That's drinkag1.com slash 1000. Check it out. Everyone wants to start their year off on the right foot. And for me, that means making sure I'm eating well and have enough energy to do everything I want to do. But I'm not going to run to the butcher every day to get a fresh cut of quality meat. That's why Good Chop is such a lifesaver for our family. Good Chop offers fully customizable boxes of high quality meat and seafood delivered to your door on your schedule. Their products are vacuum sealed and frozen at peak freshness. So you can stock your freezer and cook when you want. We had a somewhat last-minute get-together recently, and it was so incredibly convenient to just head to the freezer and pull out a couple bags of Good Chops hamburger patties to whip up some burgers quickly. They were so delicious. Besides being delicious, it's important to know it won't cost you a fortune either. Good Chops' price per meal starts at just $3.74. Go to goodchop.com outside120 and use code OUTSIDE120 to get $120 off across your first four boxes. That's code OUTSIDE120 at goodchop.com slash OUTSIDE120 for $120 off. Goodchop.com slash OUTSIDE120, code OUTSIDE120. Being parents together has helped. How do you have fun together? Tell me what kind of stuff you guys do. Well, Ryan and I, we love to laugh. And so the two of us, we love talk time. Even our podcast came out of just talking. Um, And so every morning we prioritize having coffee together. And sometimes we get to even have coffee twice a day, like in the afternoon (laughs) as well. And so every morning that's just become a huge priority for us is that connection time. And so Mm -hmm. we are, and and then I think too, we, like we tell each other everything, the most mundane parts of our lives. We've always maintained that. So I think having fun for us is always conversational. I mean, I, I really lucked out with a husband who really, really loves to talk <laughs> because I know a lot of women feel like if I could just get my husband to talk, but he's a talker. Um, and so he, he loves, to, you know, just talk about anything and everything. And so, yeah, I feel like that's one of the ways that we have the most fun is being able to talk. And, you know, I love grabbing coffee and talking. So for us, that's, it sounds probably boring, but <laughs> that is how we have I mean, fun. Well, we love that. Yeah, it's simple. And that's a great answer. I mean, all right, who's funnier? Who would you say is funnier? I think we would both say the other person is funnier, just to be kind, but it's probably me. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> no, Ryan is very, very funny. Yes. So he's, he, it's so funny. He's going to be like, I can't believe you said this, but he, it really, it's not like when my sister comes over and we have, you know, three girls, it is not girls night until Ryan gets there. I mean, he's the, always the life of the party. He's the one that's cracking all the jokes and he loves watching all the movies with us. And you know, he was raised by a single mom and he has a little sister. And so he's, that's just always been his world. And so, yes, we're able to have a lot of fun together because it is like just that best friend thing. And I actually, growing up, all of my friends were guys too. So I think there was just this path that kind of led us to like, it makes sense with the other person. So yeah, a lot of laughter, <laughs> a lot of mm-hmm. just a lot of fun. I love it. I think I found this maybe on your Instagram, which we had talked about is Brianna underscore Collins, but it's a long underscore, so it's possibly two underscores. People are it just going to have to. It's old, so who knows? They're going to have to try and figure it out, and I'll make sure I link to it. But I saw it on there. What makes me tick? Was it here? I don't know. It might have been on your website. 
Maybe it was on your website, which is briannacollins.net. What makes me tick? I never miss morning coffee with Ryan. I love late night laughs, staying up late with our daughters, and there's no place like home. And you recently moved. Yes. <laughs> Establishing we a new home. To, yes, we moved to Franklin, Tennessee, which we have, we've been coming here for close to 10 years now. Ryan's had different things with work. And so we'd come and visit and I just fell in love with Franklin as many people have just about everybody I feel yeah. like has moved here. <laughs> so it's kind of nice because, right. So like we actually came in with like a built-in community because so many people that we knew had already moved here, Aww. but yeah, we love it. We've been here for about a month, a little over a month and we still have no living room couches. Oh. So we're settled in our hearts. <laughs> But in our home, we are on our third order of couches for our living room. For whatever reason, the first two orders kept glitching and they weren't shipping them when they, when they were supposed to. The system was messed up. So that our third order now, we had to go with a different company. And it's taking a while again, but they should be here next week. So after, you know, it'll be like six weeks. <laughs> we have an outdoor couch and an upstairs couch. So thankfully, we've, we've been able to sit periodically. But it'll be so great, yes, <laughs> to have our two couches in the living room. So oh, you um, just so moved. Yes. I mean, one month—that's that's really recent. I know we lo we love Franklin. I was just there for a conference and ate at Biscuit Love and did a couple of news things there. And it's just—I mean, it is quaint. Oh, it's dreamy. There's an awesome bookstore right in that downtown. I mean, it is—it is dreamy. Oh, yeah, that's yes. a great word. That's yes, a great word. Yes, I'm actually going to get my book in that um, little bookshop. It's so oh, cute. It's so in exciting. Love yes, that landmark. That's what it is. Yeah, yes, I love yes. that one. Yeah, we love. We spent a lot of time there. Yeah, we. It's literally like living in a Hallmark movie, and we could not love it more. <laughs> and mm -hmm. we we love it. It is so quaint, and everybody. You feel like I mean, like no one's a stranger, you know, in this town. It is just the perfect perfect blend of just you know having a lot of things to do. It's small town feel, but there's a whole lot going on. Mm -hmm. Um. So yeah, we just we love it. It's just a beautiful community here. Oh, I'm so happy for you. It's a great place to raise kids. We were in that landmark. So a couple of my friends love that bookstore. So we went in and visited and they have this book there. Oh, and I'm not, I don't remember what it's called, but there's, it's really special. They have it locked in a case where it shows a picture like on the side of the pages. And it's like this beautiful uh -huh. artwork that comes up. I'll have to, f I'll find out what it's called. And then you'll have to take the girls to go see it because it's just exceptional. They've got all those really cool historical and old things. And then yeah, like first editions that they have come in and just yeah. amazing. They had, I think, yeah. a, I think they had the Lord of the Rings. Like, right, right. This, this main cool thing. thing. Like first editions, crazy. Like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. And then they got new books too. So absolutely yeah. cool place to go visit. People have never been there. So much to do outside in that area too. Uh, we have talked to this guy named Dan Butner who talks about living to be into your hundreds, like mm. uh, not hundreds, hun living to be, I guess, <laughs> I guess it's like 500. <laughs> I don't know, like a centenarian. Yes. So living to be at least a hundred or a little yeah. bit older. Yeah. And a lot of those people have no furniture. <laughs> well, this oh. is, thank goodness, it's going to extend our lives. <laughs> it's like you sit down that on the I've floor. Actually, so. What's that one? I've heard that beekeepers live the longest as well because bees put out just like the right fre frequency of like a perfect C note that actually calms your body. So they say it actually, because of that, it alleviates stress, which can age people. And yes, it helps you to live longer. Isn't that amazing? I'm like, I want to, I want to get a beehive and put it in our house somewhere. <laughs> like you can have them like near your home. <laughs> they say that's how, that's how you do it. Whoa. It has to do with the note. Yes, the frequency that they put out because of their sound of like the buzzing 
apparently it's like a perfect, I think it's a perfect C, I believe. Because, you know, they changed like the frequency of what music is supposed to be, I think maybe back in the 40s, I think. And so everything here is slightly different from the way music used to be. Wow. So the perfect, the perfect note that bees hit, it does calm the body. It kind of hits with the vibrations of your body as well. And it calms you and helps to, you know, alleviate inflammation and stress. And yes, helps you a little Unbelievable. Longer. Yeah. So, you know, you'll be living to be like 200 if you have bees. Yeah. And I'm, your now I'm going to cancel came. our couch order now. <laughs> <laughs> Put a beehive there instead. There you go. There you go. <laughs> It's for your health. Yes. I love that. I'm going to look into that. That's so interesting. Yeah. There's one other topic that was really interesting to me because I think that it's one of those undercurrent things that happens to a lot of us, but we don't really talk about it. And I had had another mom I talked to recently who she grew up, you know, in a, doing the regular things like doing the school, doing the AP classes, doing the sports. And then when she became an adult, she had a really hard time dropping the pressure to do so much. And mm -hmm. you talk about some similar things, like as a child, very performance driven, really like to be in control, wanting to make sure I'm getting my trophies and my honor roll certificates and formula focused. And those are just byproducts, I think sometimes of the way that we do childhood mm -hmm. that like, okay, well, is it really that big of a deal? But I do think sometimes when we become adults and we become parents, they can cause us to struggle maybe with perfectionism or being able to rest or not able to rest. So can you talk a little bit about shedding that and learning to let go a little bit and not being so focused on performance or the way things seem? Mm -hmm. Well, you know, I, you know, I, in my book, it is about identity. You know, I think that um, every human wants to find control, find a way to control their lives. Cause it, and it, what we believe to be control, we believe to be safety, you know, it's our safety mm -hmm. net for our lives. What can we manage? What can we control? And so for me, um, I, it came naturally to me to be able to study. I didn't mind doing those things. I didn't mind going after the good grades or you know, the accolades. And so for me, it was a way to identify myself with something. It was a way for me to have that checklist of, am I doing okay? Well, I did this, 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 and this. So I guess I'm doing okay. Right. And so I was basically trying to find who I was on those external things again. Yeah. And um, the, the thing about control it's kind of funny because I think there are so many times where we feel like certain things look like we have control, but truthfully, even in someone's world who feels out of control, even when I felt out of control, when I was going through postpartum depression, we always have the power of free will. We always have the power of choice. Mm -hmm. And so I feel like it's really a lie that we believe that we ever lose that control in the first place. Mm -hmm. And so I think for me, once I didn't feel like I had to grasp for that control, or grasp for that identity of what I've accomplished. It definitely helped me to be able to set aside those things and start to say, you know, I mean, a great question to ask yourself is if no one saw this, would I still be doing this? If no one knew about this, would I, would I actually still be striving for this? And so your home is the perfect mm. place to begin that day because how many people are looking into your home, you know? And so you have these precious children that you're raising and um, something for me, cause you know, all of this kind of was all of this kind of, realization of what are the things I've been striving for and where have I been trying to find identity and, and kind of cause this world that I could control and therefore, therefore feel safe. You know, it's limited to me. And for me, I had to release it all to the Lord so that this finite person was no longer, you know, creating a world that would be then of course finite, but to be with God in this who is infinite 
and to be able to live in, in his reality where I, you know, all of a sudden what I was controlling and what I thought I had created wasn't really so wonderful after all, but looking at our kids and seeing, you know, like, would I be doing this if I didn't get the Instagram picture from it? You know, like I actually had to put aside Instagram for a long time, many, many years ago, like when it first came out, because I realized that I was doing things with my kids just so I could take the picture of it, you know? And I'm like missing, I'm like, what am I doing? You know? And so really kind of saying, would I be doing this if I wasn't being watched has been really valuable. And then I think too, coming from the approach of trying to find those things to identify by and be busy with, you know, and have that lifestyle that we think we have to have. For me, I had to look at each of my children individually. And this is something that I didn't purpose to do because of this reason. I actually just did it because it was just, it was just in my heart. I think it was just a, a motherly instinct that came out, but mm-hmm. I wanted to raise each child individually. So I didn't want, and this probably goes back to our priorities over rules. I didn't want to have a blanket this is what should work for you. And it's going to have to work for all three of our kids. And they're just going to have mm-hmm. to go with it. I really like parenting per child. And so that means I have to speak differently to each one. And I have to use different ways of communicating and different ways of showing them affection because mm-hmm. they're wired differently. They're individuals. And so I really wanted their individual personalities to always be celebrated and not feel like they had to conform in any way. And of course, homeschooling is an incredible tool for that because that's what mm-hmm. you're able to do in homeschooling. You can tailor it for each child. And so I think for us being able to um, identify the things that our kids love and being able to encourage them in those things, I think it's a, a really special thing. I just wrote an article about this, about just the honor and privilege of being able to hold your children's dreams. You know, I mean, we have just mm-hmm. this instinct to hold our babies when they're born, right? Like we just mm-hmm. bring them to our chest and we hold them. But, you know, as you're raising your kids, the responsibility of holding on to, you know, really the the call on your life, that's a great responsibility that you need your parents for to help you. And so Mm -hmm. for me, knowing that as a mother, I have the honor of not just holding them physically, but holding their callings, their giftings, their holding their futures in a way, you know, and being able Mm -hmm. to identify what is unique to them, like what is on their heart? What do you know, how can I nurture them in the way that they are wired and in the way that, you know, what, what moves their hearts. And so, you know, I consider that privilege of holding on to what they love with them and holding on to, you know, preparing them for adulthood. It's been a way for us to be able to, I think, build relationship with each one. There's a family unit, but then there's the individual relationships and friendship. Mm-hmm. Again, it's, all of it is very holistic for us because as just as Ryan and I are best friends, we're that way with our kids too. And so, you know, we're not waiting for them to be adults before we start a friendship with them. And I, I think, again, kind of our generation, our parents were like, hey, we're not friends. OK, <laughs> like I'm your parent, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. and, um, and I think, you know, our generation is more coming around to like, hey, we should be friends with our kids. And so building those friendships, building that trust, building mutual respect with them. We wouldn't speak to them in a way that we wouldn't want them to speak to us, even though we're the parents and we technically (laughs) could be like, hey, here's what you're going to do. You know, so I think just, um, you know, I just building that friendship with them on an individual basis has helped us to be able to kind of steer clear of the things that, you know, hey, if if your sister's doing this, you should be doing this. Or if the other kids in your grade are doing this, you should be doing this. Instead, we look back and say, well maybe this isn't how you're wired, but whatever way you are wired, it's actually good. It's a good thing. So let's harness the good out of that as opposed to saying, well, you're just not super good at that. (laughs) You know, Mm -hmm. instead it's like, there's a reason why you're built Mm -hmm. this way. 
Mm -hmm. And we can't all be good at everything. Exactly. And so instead of saying you have to achieve, you know, these certain markers at a certain time, instead, it's like, well, you're wired for something different. So let's really hone in on what you're really good at. And of course, mm -hmm. like I said, you know, homeschooling is a great tool for that. Yeah, it sure is. It's interesting to think about. There's this book by John Taylor Gatto called, called Dumbing Us Down, which is quite the title. So I always like cringe a little bit saying it. But anyway, it's a pretty good book. And he talks about when we set up childhood a certain way as a system, as a bit of a conveyor belt, mm -hmm. there are other things that kids learn from that, like apathy mm -hmm. is one or mm -hmm. giving over your drive and your direction to someone else who's going to tell you what to do. And this performance piece is a big one too. Mm -hmm. And that's something that you really can carry into adulthood. Mm -hmm. And so whether someone's homeschooling or not homeschooling, they're hybrid schooling or whatever they're doing, these are just important things I think to think about. And a lot of the things we do do because someone saw, you know, you get this, it's like, would I be doing the spelling bee trophy if, would I be doing the spelling bee if no one was watching? Right. Probably not. I mean, maybe, yeah. I guess if someone really loved to spell, yeah. but you know, right. these are, kind of, you know, you do it for the trophy because people are watching, you're trying to win. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. it's an interesting, definitely an interesting thing to think about for parents. Mm -hmm. uh, so you just wrote that article. Was that for this new mothering magazine? It is. It's called Mothering Journal. Yeah. And the first issue just came out this month. And so it's all written by moms and it's for moms. And it's an actual physical copy that you get delivered to your house once a month, which is so nice. Really, it's like we're going behind. back to that, isn't it? I know, right? And that's really the heart. People are like, I want something in my hand, and I want to yes. be able to look at it and flip through the pages, yes. and I want to get mail in but, the actual I know, right? mail. <laughs> I love that. I love getting mail. So yeah, so it's something that's going to be beautiful on your coffee table, but it's also just going to be filled with um, just real life, very real stories of moms and what they're going through. And it's for every season, whether you're an empty nester or you have your first on the way. Um, and then we're, we're going to start incorporating things where we have like my oldest daughter, Ava, she's 15. She's going to start writing for it specifically to like kids her age. Um, and we have fun kids sections for it too. And so, um, yeah, I'm really excited about, I think how this is going to bring up those things that we've kind of, you know, kept quiet for a long time and um, kind of say the quiet parts out loud, <laughs> you know? Mm -hmm. So it's one of those things where no topic is going to be off the table on this, on this magazine. So I'm really looking forward to people being able to literally get their hands on it <laughs> yes. and read it. So, yeah. Yay. So it's called mothering journal. And yes. you said the first issue comes out, came out this month, November, this, October. This yes. This, yeah. So in November, and then it will come yeah. out every month, every month. Yep. Yeah. Oh, and we'll awesome. be doing some events too, where we can actually you can go and meet a lot of the writers. So we'll do different cities where we're able to actually meet and connect and then hopefully connect moms with moms in their area. So it'll be a great tool to be able Aww. to yeah, build community. Yeah, that's so important. So really cool. So you have this book just came out, Mirror Image, a book about identity, freedom and Jesus. It came out this year in 2023. Yes. And in this book, you talk a lot about your faith, you talk about your marriage, identity. We talked about these fears that we're trying to get through control and performance driven. And then if people want to really dive into the parenting piece, then they can read the articles that you write for the mothering journal. So Absolutely. this is great. All, all the things that we need holistic, all of it. That's right. That's right. Again, I'll make sure I link to everything. Brianna, this has just been such a gift. I'm so glad to have met you and uh, maybe eventually meet the kids. I think yes. it's bound <laughs> to happen someday. Yes. That's for right. sure. And then when you're in Franklin, right? Yes, we can meet at the bookstore at <laughs> yes. Landmark. 
And that would be awesome. We always end our podcast with the same question. The question is, what's a favorite memory from your childhood that was outside? Well, like I said, I always had friends that were boys. And so some of my favorite memories are hitting home runs with all the boys in the street. I played baseball with all the boys. <laughs> and so actually, this is my favorite memories is being outside and playing baseball with the neighborhood kids. I loved it. So cool. Pick up games of sports. They're not given enough credit because they're so fun mm-hmm. for kids. It's so fun they to get are. together and come up with your own rules and play a little game and it doesn't have to last super long and you don't have to have a uniform and it's just a, a really great environment. It's actually really good for development too. So uh, what yeah. a cool answer. Actually, no one's ever an- answered it that way. So you got a unique <laughs> one. Well, thank you so much for being here. This is such a gift to get to know you and to have read your book. Oh, thank you, Jenny. It's an honor to be able to be on your podcast and just thank you for everything that you're doing. I love everything that you're highlighting and that you're building. Thank you. If you like this show, there's a decent chance you'll also enjoy the Shameless Mom Academy. Hi, I'm Sarah Dean, the founder and host of the Shameless Mom Academy. The Shameless Mom Academy is a podcast for moms that centers moms more than it centers your kids. I'm not going to teach you how to make baby food or how to make your three-year-old or 13-year-old stop having tantrums. Instead, I'm going to bring you back to yourself. For the last 20 years, I've been helping moms through growth and transformation. Inside the Shameless Mom Academy, I help you identify who you are and who you are becoming. Look, motherhood is hard. It brought me to my knees many times and sometimes still does. Returning to who I am and who I am becoming allows me to decide how to show up in all those sticky motherhood moments, but also in all my other relationships and in all the ways I show up in my various communities. So come check out the Shameless Mom Academy wherever you listen to podcasts. I'm willing to bet you'll leave feeling a little inspired and maybe even completely fired up. And you'll probably laugh a few times because I promise we never take ourselves too seriously over here. With 700 episodes to choose from, you're likely going to find something that sparks and speaks to you inside the Shameless Mom Academy.